Quite often it is said the grace of God is the riches of God at Jesus' expense. And I think that that's, that's an appropriate um, comprehension. But it means having the blessing of the Lord, the favor of God, the sufficiency of God, the riches of God being available to you and you being able to access that. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, I don't know about you, but I would imagine if you search your heart and you search your life, there must be some area in your life where you can use more grace. Where you can, you can use more grace, more of, of the provisions and the, the, the supply and the enablement of God. Whether it be in your health, whether it be um, in your relationship, in your finances, in your wisdom, in your thinking, there is some area or areas where you can certainly use more grace. And that's what this message is about. How can you access more grace? And, and the key being by the application of acknowledging the, uh, um, the every good thing that is in you. Acknowledging of the truth. Acknowledgement of the truth. Amen? All right. That's what it's all about. More grace by the power of the acknowledgement of the truth. So let's get going. Philemon 6 again. I'm going to repeat this scripture many times. Personally, I believe Philemon 6, even though it's one chapter, right? And depending on the Bible and the size of the lettering, it's literally so quite often just one page. I believe it is, it is perhaps um, one of the most accurate, instructive um, push, uh, scripture in all of the Bible on the subject of faith. Amen? I really do believe that. All right. So hopefully today I can open up that verse in, in, in a number of different ways. The communication of your faith, your faith will work by the acknowledgement of every good thing that is in you in Christ. Now, if your faith is going to work and it is going to be productive and it will be effective and it will produce because of every good thing that is in you in Christ and the acknowledgement of it, once if your faith is producing, then I would, I would like to think that if your faith is producing, it means that grace is now present. Amen? Because what, what, what is it producing? It's producing the provision of God, the supply of God, which is the grace of God. So faith then, this faith is important because what happens is, as it is effective, the very grace of God is supplied. Romans chapter 4 verse 16 says, it is of faith that it might be by grace. It is of faith that it might be by grace. It's as if God is saying, look here, once somebody's in faith, once they're believing me, once they're they trusting me, I got to back it up because I'm a God of integrity. I have to watch over my word to perform it. So if you believe what I've said, then you've got a right to it. And it is his responsibility to supply the grace to bring fulfillment to what he has said. Amen? So it is of faith that it might be by what? Grace. So this faith causes the grace of God to flow. And here this verse of scripture, the acknowledgement of every good thing that is in you in Christ is going to make your faith work and cause grace to flow. Grace to flow. Again, Romans chapter 5 verse 7, sorry, Romans chapter 5 verse 2 says that you have access. You and I have access into this grace by faith. In other words, here is this awesome room full of the supply of God, the provision of God, healing, deliverance, memory, mind, intellect, um, wisdom, relationships, whatever, finances, business, 
all of that, it's in this room, but how can you get in? You got to get in through the door, and you got to have the key. So now, faith is the door. Faith is the key whereby you can get access into the grace of God. That is what Romans 5 and verse 2 says. Amen? Now, faith is also the channel or the tunnel through which you can access that grace. The scripture says in um, in Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9, now we use it quite often for salvation, but it says, it says we are saved by grace through faith. Saved, and the word save, a Greek word soterio, means wholeness, it means deliverance, it means divine protection, it means prosperity, it means every good thing, amen? So you are saved, how? By grace. How? Through faith. We are saved by grace through faith not of works. It is a gift, not of works as any man should boast. So it says all of this salvation and deliverance and wholeness and prosperity and divine health comes to you how? It comes to you by grace, which is a gift. You didn't earn it, but it came as a result of faith. So all of that I'm saying adds up to this fact that faith, when it works, produces what? Grace. Amen? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. All right. And as I said, once you're in that place, God is under obligation. God is not a man that he can lie. If God says this today is Tuesday, it's Tuesday. It will become Tuesday because it is impossible for him to lie. Once he says it, there's a power that goes out that causes it to become whatever he has said. Amen? Whatever he says. So the thing is, when you are standing on the word of God and you have this promise of God that God has already spoken and already exists in the realm of the spirit, what happens is God is the one that is now become obligated, quite frankly, by covenant to bring fulfillment to his word that you are standing on. That's why the scripture says in Jeremiah 1 verse 12, God says, I am going to watch over my word to perform it. And there's another translation that says he will hasten his word to perform it. I like that because it will speed it up. You see, sometimes as believers, we, we get caught up into this realm of patience. And thank God for patience as if it's just going to have to take forever. No, that's not true. We see some, we, there's a lot of suddenlies in the Bible, amen? So get that out of your thinking that whatever you believe in God for has to take forever. That's not so. Amen? And according to your faith, be it unto you. So make a shift and an adjustment in your faith. And don't believe that this is going to take forever. But that God will hasten his word to perform it. Jeremiah 1 verse 12. All right. So what are we saying? We are saying that, that this verse is true. That when you acknowledge the truth, what happens? Your faith works. When your faith works, it's, it connects up with grace, which is the provision of God. Amen? Hallelujah. So why is this important? Why is this so important. Well, according to, according to Titus, well, we just saw that because of the grace, but also here is this. Titus 1 verse 1 says that the acknowledgement of the truth, acknowledgement of the truth is after godliness. It produces the God kind of life. Now, when I say the acknowledgement of the truth, right, that in itself is a little bit vague, and that is why we, we, we look at scriptures, we look at several scriptures, because acknowledgement of the truth is going to produce the God, godliness, mean the God kind of life, is not talking about acknowledging that there's a star and the moon and the galaxies. 
or that today is Sunday. It's not talking about that. It's talking about the acknowledgement of the truth that is in you. Amen? The truth that is in you. The truth that is settled in heaven. The truth that, is, that Christ himself is. For he is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. So Titus 1 verse 1 says that the acknowledgement of the truth is after godliness. The acknowledgement of the truth will produce the God kind of life. Well, what is God life like? I don't think it's full of misery. I mean, there are issues that he has to deal with, but he's not full of, mis mis of, of misery. The, Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, I have come that you might have what? Life, what kind? How? Have life and have it more abundantly. Have it to the point where it is so full that it overflows and it begins to affect those round about you. Amen? So that they may not see, they may not believe, they may not believe as you do, but they can taste and see what's coming out of your life. So that the fragrance of the life of Christ, man, it can just get into their nostrils and they can smell it. Amen? And they might figure, oh, I like that perfume. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, <laughs> so the acknowledgement of the truth will produce the God kind of life. And the God kind of life is wonderful. It's full of freedoms. It's full of blessings. It's full of divine health. It is full of prosperity. It is full of peace. It is full of joy. Jesus says, I wish above all things that you might what? Prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Does that mean you're not going to have tests and trials and situations? Hey, you're on earth. Amen? There is a devil. There are attitudes. There, there, there's darkness here. You are in a planet. Hey, you know, it rains. It's going to rain whether you like it or not. The question is, do you have a raincoat? Do you have an umbrella? Do you have protection? Well, there's going to be situations. There's going to be tests, trials, and all kinds of stuff that's happening in your life. But Jesus said you can be of good cheer. Why? Because he has overcome the world, and his victory is your victory. His grace is available to you. All that he is and all that he has, you have access to it so that as the tests and trials come, God will always cause you to triumph if you know how to access that grace and flow in it. Amen? So you don't have to be terrified when problems come. They're going to come. Amen? But the scripture says in, in Philippians 1 verse 28 that in nothing are you to be terrified by the enemy. Hallelujah. Don't even let, don't let him, I mean, you know, sometimes you're going to have to bluff. Don't let him see you sweat. You got to act and stay in a place of confidence and triumph. And, he, and then he began to figure, well, what is it that you know that he don't know? <laughs> You know the story about the, <laughs> the, 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 the older lady, right? You've probably heard it before. That was, um, you know, somebody broke into her house in the middle of the night. You know, and I guess he's probably even breaking into a lot of houses in the neighborhood. But anyway, he broke into her house. And as he broke into her house, the lady shouted out, Acts 2.23, was it? Acts 2.22. And um, the guy froze. Now, what had happened is she, in her Sunday school class at church, the, the, you know, the preacher was teaching about the verse of Scripture, Acts 2, 20, Acts 2 verse 22 or something like that. And um, she couldn't memorize, she didn't memorize the Scripture. All she remembered was the address. And, you know, she had heard the preacher say, you know, whatever happens, just speak the word. So she just said, Acts 2, 22, and the guy froze. 
And the guy stayed there until the police came and arrested him. And, 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 and they, the police came and thought, okay, well, what happened here? Why are you, how come you, this little old lady, I mean, she, she, she caused you to freeze like this? He said, yes. They said, well, well, how come, why did you run, run away or overpower her? He says, are you kidding me? That lady said that she has an ax and she's got two 22s. Right? So Addy said, I'm not going to take a chance. What is the point? The point of the matter is when you, when you have that mindset that in nothing will you be terrified, but you will have a bold face confident mindset, not because you have an Acts on 222, but because you have the name of Jesus, because you have the word of God, because you have the promises of God, because the grace of God is available to you, and because all that God is, you have access to because of the blood covenant in which you stand. That is my point. And the whole thing about this, as you see, is that so the acknowledgement of the truth will produce that God kind of life in spite of the tests and the trials that we all have to deal with. Amen? Hallelujah. So now let's, let's begin to move towards what are some of these specific truths, what are some of these truths that you need to acknowledge? Well, to start with, um, the scripture says, it says, going back again to Philemon, that the communication of your faith becomes, act, becomes effective, it will work, it will produce when you, act, when, you, when you acknowledge every good thing that is in you in Christ. Every good thing that is in what? In you in Christ. Now, who is you? <laughs> Sorry for the English. But everything that is in you, not everything that is in your arm, not everything that is in your emotions or in your will, everything that is in you that is in your spirit. You see, you are, every human being, you are a spirit with which you could connect into, connect to the spiritual world, and then you have a soul with which you could connect to the intellectual world and the reasoning world and the emotions, and then there's a physical body, amen, to which you have the five physical senses, and you could connect and communicate in the physical arena. But the essence of who you are is your born-again spirit. That is the reason why the scripture will say, for me to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. What is it talking about? When me, when me, my spirit comes out of here in death, it is to separate and to go to be with the Lord. Amen? That is the reason why Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He was not talking about his body. He was not talking about his soul. He was talking about his spirit. So the scripture here says, acknowledge every good thing that is in you in Christ. That's everything that is in your born again spirit. You need to know what those things are and acknowledge them. Well, to start with, Christ himself is in your born again spirit. The scripture says that if any man have not the spirit of Christ, then he is what? He is none of his, Romans 8 verse 9. But it also says that when you, ask, when you receive Jesus as Savior and Lord, God gives you the power to become the sons of God. And here is what happened. Christ moves on the inside, and it says in Colossians 1, 27, that Christ in you, Christ where? In you, where? In your spirit, is the hope of glory. So Christ himself is in you. So to acknowledge every good thing that is in you, you must first and foremost acknowledge Christ who is in you. And then what it also says in um, Ephesians 4 verse 21, and before I go there, Christ himself is the truth. John 14, 6 says that Jesus says, I am the way, I am what? The truth. So Christ himself is the truth, and Christ is in you. 
But it also says in Ephesians 4.21 that the truth is in him. The truth is in Jesus. So here is Jesus. Christ is in you. There is all kind. He is truth. Everything within him is truth. And he is in you. So now you can make a shift and you can say, Christ that is in me, he is the truth. I acknowledge him. But I acknowledge everything that is in him because everything that is in him is in me. And I can now identify what those specific things are. The word of God says in Romans 8 verse 32 that when God gave you Jesus, what else did he give you? Did he just say, here's Jesus, but I leave everything else out? No. When he gave you Jesus, he also freely gave you what? All things. Everything else that was connected to him. That is why you are complete in Christ. That is why Christ in whom is the fullness of the Godhead bodily dwells in you and you are complete in him. Hallelujah. That is why you are blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. In other words, if there's a spiritual blessing that you do not have in your born-again spirit, then that scripture is a lie, that you are blessed with every spiritual blessing. You only got to find one exception, and that scripture will no longer be true. And if that scripture is not true, why should you believe anything else? What am I saying? I am saying that you are blessed with every spiritual blessing because all of the blessing is in Christ and Christ. <coughs> Excuse me. And Christ is in you. The two of you are one. Hallelujah. Ha that is why this grace thing really is really about what is available to you as a result of your union with him. All that is in him is available to you, and that is the whole issue about grace. It is not of me. I can of myself do nothing. Without him, I am bankrupt. I cannot even complete a thought. Amen? Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So we must identify what are those things that are in Christ, and what are those, because what are those things that are in Christ are also in you. What are those things that are in you? Amen? To cut the chase. <laughs> Praise the Lord. All right. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, let's just, let's just answer this. We're going to come back and detail some of those things that we do have in Christ. But what about this more grace? I find this is so interesting. More grace. Amen? More grace. Let's first of all understand the word acknowledge. Your faith works, it produces, it becomes effective by the acknowledgement. Acknowledgement. Say acknowledgement. Try it again. Try it again. All right. <laughs> acknowledgement. There's AC and then there is knowledge. The word acknowledgement means to know. It means to perceive, to recognize, to become fully acquainted with so it is, it is this stuff about, it has to do with knowledge and knowing. But it also has this meaning. It means to have and to take. Which means that it, it is knowledge, but there is, it's not a passive, it's not passive. It's, it's somewhat active in the sense that you got to, when you get a hold of these truths, you got to take it. If you don't take it, you don't have it. If you, you see, you only have, uh, this, my, this is real deep, so get ready. <laughs> There's nothing that you have that you did not receive. For you to have whatever, you got to receive it. Amen? So it is wonderful. Oh, here are these awesome truths. 
but you got to take it. So this word acknowledgement has to do with knowing. It has to do with recognizing, perceiving, having a full, uh, full acquaintance and a wit. Uh, but it also has to do with this aspect of taking. Amen. Now, what does that have to do with more grace? Second Peter chapter 1 verse 2 says, grace and peace is multiplied to you through knowledge. Through the knowledge of God, through the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace, grace and salem. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> grace and wholeness. And that word peace has to do with wholeness. That word peace has to do with everything being um, set at one against. Everything being, is like a reset to the God's original intent. Amen? And if, you, if the, everything is reset to God's original intent, it means then it would be to the place where sin didn't exist, where there was no misery, no sickness, no disease, no poverty, no lack, no, no, no crime, none of that. In other words, then this word peace has to do with a wholeness, a preservation, and a reset to God's original intent. So it says grace and peace is multiplied to you. It is increased how? Through knowledge. So when you go acknowledging every good thing that is in you in Christ, what are you doing? By that process of acknowledging, seeing, knowing, being fully acquainted with, having the knowledge of, and then taking it, what happens? It will cause an increase of the grace in your life. So what do we have? We have more grace. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. What else about this more grace? Where is this more grace coming from? James chapter 4 verse 6 says that God gives more grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. God gives more grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. In other words then, when someone is in a place of humility, God says, this is the person to whom I'm going to release more of my grace, more of my provision, more of what I, I am and what I have. Amen? Amen. But the proud, he knows afar off. But the proud, he resists. So what happened is, when you acknowledge the truth, what you do, the very essence of acknowledging the truth and taking it is to submit to that truth. And, that, and true humility is a submission. It is a submission. If I would bow my knees to you and I say, whatever you want, it's a submission. And so it is, in other words, it is a submission. It is a yielding to the truth. And God gives grace, more grace to the one who will what? Humble himself, who will submit. You see, the acknowledgement of the truth will, it flows from this place of humility. It is a gift that is from God. You see, humility says, I don't have um, I can't earn this. I don't, I, I, is this, this is not, in other words, um, he, this is not owed to me. I didn't earn this, but I humble myself. You are the source. It's not the, anything within me. It's all about you. You know, the scripture says, it is not by might nor by power, but by my, but by my spirit, say the Lord. It is done by grace. So humility has this mindset that I can of myself do nothing. You know, pride on the other hand, 
P-R-I-D-E. In the middle of pride is I. Whereas, in humility, pride die. Does that make sense? So th that is very important, you see? So God gives grace, more grace to the humble. And connected with humility is this stuff about the fear of the Lord. This fear of the Lord, this reverence of God, this acknowledgement of him, who he is, his rightful place. And when you have him in his rightful place, and you recognize how high and lifted up he is, how wonderful, awesome he is, and he is worthy to be praised. And just that plain acknowledgement and submission, that is the whole mindset of, of humility. And the scripture, God says, hey, to that one, I'm going to give him more grace. So what am I saying? By just being in the position of, of, of by the acknowledgement of the truth, which is one of submission, puts you in that place of humility, puts you in that place where you're looking to God, and it also puts you in the place where you're functioning by faith, which, and that faith opens up the whole arena of grace. Amen? Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And knowledge is increased, so grace multiplies. One other thing while I'm at it. Another very excellent reason why there is more grace in, the, in this power of an acknowledgement of the truth is this. The scripture says the just shall live by faith. And the scripture says the just, the person who is declared righteous, the person who has have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, and anybody can do that. But to live in that reality is a different thing. To live in the reality of Jesus as Lord means you got to be yoked together with him. Say yoked together. Jesus says, come on to me, all you that labor and are heavily laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. I am meek and I'm lowly in heart. To be yoked together with Christ, think about, the, think, think about these two horses. And these two horses have, have this huge weight that they got to move from point A to point B. But one horse is a little tiny baby horse, and the next horse is a big, massive, bulky full of power horse. He got a lot of horsepower. <laughs> All right? Little horse, big horse. And the two horses are yoked together. Let me ask you something. Who is going to be pulling most of the weight? The big horse. Right? So the scripture says you are to be yoked together with Christ. So when you are yoked together with Christ, his strength becomes your strength. He is the one that is pulling the weight. And when his strength becomes your strength, you have just stepped into an arena of grace. His provision. Amen? Psalms 27 verse 1 says, The Lord is the strength of my life. The Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is my deliverance. The Lord is my divine health. I'm not teaching about divine health right now, but I'm telling you something. It's one thing to be healed. But when it comes to the key of living in divine health, which means not being sick, you've got to know Christ as your redemption. You've got to know him as your health. You've got to know Ephesians 5 and verse 30, which says, I'm a member of his body and of his flesh and of his bones. Rather than just going from sickness to sickness, de deliverance to deliverance. Hello, I take, uh, okay, don't mean to offend anybody. But it is the truth. The fact of the matter is when we get yoked together with him, when our life is so hid, so hid with Christ in God that he is the one that, over, that takes over. The scripture says, that, what does it say? John 1 verse 16. That of his fullness we have received grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. Yoke together. Say yoke together. 
This issue of being yoked together is the very revelation of righteousness. Righteousness, the one, the number one, the first primary meaning of righteousness is the oneness that you have with God in Christ. He is the, he is the, he is the vine, we are the branches, the same life flows in both. He is the head, we are the body, we've got the same name. But the head is in charge. So this oneness that we have, this yoke together, this oneness is, is, the very, is the very core of what righteousness is about. And the scripture says in Romans chapter 5 verse 21 that grace flows through righteousness. And then Romans 5 verse 17 goes further. It speaks about the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness so that what? You might reign. Reign, reign, not being dominated by, not being ruled over, but that you might reign in this life by one Jesus Christ. And you need to reign because there's a lot of situations that happen and will continue to happen once you have breath to breathe. There's going to be tests, there's going to be trials, there's going to be situations, and you are going to need to know how to reign. Well, it's because of this abundance of grace that flows as a result of righteousness. So we all need more grace. Say more grace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So what are we to acknowledge? You are to acknowledge that it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. You are to acknowledge that the very life, now this is so awesome, that the very life of Christ is your life. The very life of Christ is the life of your born-again spirit. Colossians 3 verse 3 and 4 says you are dead. Your life is hid with Christ where? In God. And when Christ who is your life shall appear. When Christ who is your Life shall appear. All things have passed away. All things have become new. And all things are of God. Christ himself is your life. 1 John 4, 17. Herein is the love of God made perfect. That you might have boldness and confidence in the day of judgment. In the day of testing. In the day of trial. In the evil day. How can you have boldness and confidence in the day of judgment? For this reason. Because as he is, so are you in this world. But that is the truth. But that is not the truth for you if you, don't make, if you don't make that identification. If you don't own it. If you don't take it. If you don't receive the knowledge of it and let it transform your thinking. And then you begin to think that way and you begin to act that way. And then you begin to talk that way. You're now operating in the realm of faith. Now God becomes obligated to watch over whatever it is to perform it. This is how it works. Amen. Hallelujah. So why is there such power? In the acknowledgement of the truth. First Corinthians chapter 15 verse 34 says, Awake to righteousness and sin not. Come awake. Come awake to this righteousness. Come awake to this oneness. Let the consciousness of this so permeate your thinking that you have a continual conscious awareness of this righteousness, of this oneness, that he himself is your life. And it says if you do that, and sin not, which means what? You're not going to live, because sin is separation from God. You're not going to be living in a place of separation. In a place of separation. There's a lot of Christian songs, and one of the problems with it is that the, 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 the essence of those songs speaks as if God is off somewhere. And I'm trying to find him. Oh, God, show up. You know, come, Lord. Let your presence go with me. He says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. But you see, when you acknowledge the truth, when you, are, when you are awake to that righteousness, to that oneness, to that reality of Christ in you, the hope of glory, that Christ himself is your life, it's never an issue about the presence of God. 
It is instead what what do you do? You acknowledge his presence and you say, Lord, we've got this situation to deal with here. Come on, let's deal with it. Come, let's go. Come, let's go is different to come go with me. Don't you what do you think? Hello? All right. So awake to righteousness. So what happened is when you acknowledge the truth, you develop a continual conscious awareness of his indwelling presence, of that oneness with him. Now let me say this to you, and I, and, and I like to say this to Christians just to, just, to, just to stir them up, not slap them, just stir them up, just to awake them, just to get their attention. And this is what I like to say to them, and it's simply this. If you do not have the conscious awareness of God's indwelling presence, then your Christianity is no different to any other religion. What makes Christianity unique? We say it's because of the relationship that we have with God. Yes, it is. But it is because of the presence of God that lives on the inside of you. If you do not have that consciousness, then you're not living the reality of the true Christianity, which is what this whole thing was all about. Even this message is about one thing, the centrality of Christ. Christ in you, and then as we mature, are letting Christ live through you. That's what it's all about. Doesn't matter what the subject matter is that you're teaching. It's about Christ in you and Christ living through you. Amen? That is the reader. Anyway, glory to God. Hallelujah. So when you, the, the power of this acknowledgement of the truth... The central truth being Christ in you can develop this continual conscious awareness of, 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 of his indwelling presence and of him being in you. And you see, the thing is, you can develop this to the point where it becomes muscle memory. You know what I mean by muscle memory? You don't have to think about it. It becomes a reflex. Amen? So that instead of you reacting to situations out of your flesh, out of your anger, out of your lust, out of your pride, instead of reacting to the situation, you will find yourself responding. For, from what? But from the nature of God that is in you. Amen? Hallelujah. Somebody help me. Say amen. amen. <laughs> Glory to God. Acknowledge what? Acknowledge the nature of God that is now your nature. Acknowledge the nature of God that is now your nature. Colossians 1 verse 22 says that in his sight, because of the sacrifice of Christ, in his sight you are holy, you are without blame, and you are without reproach. Now I know that's not in the whole of your life, because you know you got some issues. We all got some issues. But in your born-again spirit, which has been created after the image of him, in your born-again spirit, where Christ himself, with all of his purity, all of his perfection, all of his righteousness, all of his holiness, all of his wisdom. Because, the, you know, the scripture says that the acknowledgement of him in Colossians 2, verse 2 and 3, that in him are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In Christ, I mean, Christ's life is so awesomely pure and perfect. And when he, when, when the life in you is his life, what is God going to see? So the scriptures says, God says, in my sight, you are holy. You are without blame and you are without reproach. You know, sometimes, you know, Christians struggle some, uh, occasionally with being filled with the Holy Ghost and the speaking of tongues. And I've, I've seen it happen over and over and over again. 
You come to some believer and they want to be filled with the Holy Ghost. They've been a Christian for several years and, and this person prayed for them and this ministry prayed for them and they're having difficulty, you know, with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and they could have probably just get out two syllables and they're not able to get into that flow of being full, speaking with other tongues. And I have found by experience that many times if you would take that believer, and I'm saying this for any minister out there that want to get people filled with the Holy Spirit, get a hold of what I'm about to say. When you can bring that person to the place and the comprehension that in the sight of God they are holy and that they are pure and they are washed and God is not holding any of their sins against them, and in this side, when you can bring them into that consciousness of their holiness, it, they get filled just like that. Which leads me to think that one of the reasons why they, they have difficulty for years being filled is because they're underneath this sense of condemnation and being undeserving and unclean and unworthy because they see themselves based on what they have done in the past and what other people say about them rather than seeing themselves through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and recognizing the reality that Christ is now their life and therefore they are holy. I'm not holy in myself. I am holy because he has made me holy and I'm holy because of him that is in me, that is now my identity, that has taken me over. I have been baptized into him. What does that mean? I have been tied together with him so that he has now become my life. That is the reality. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So the acknowledgement of the truth, acknowledging what? The nature of God is now your nature. You are in right standing just as if sin has never been. And as a result of that, you, have, you are forgiven, so forgiven, there is no record of your sin. There is no condemnation, there is no guilt, there is no shame. Why? Because of the reality that you have been acquitted. The reality that you are justified, just as if sin, of sin has never been. This blood of the Lord Jesus Christ has put you into the place where you are. You are connected together with how it was before there was ever a fall, just as if sin has never been. And if you're in that place, when you are born again, not because of works of righteousness which you have done, but because of his mercy and his redeeming power by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, you are now justified. The very essence of that is that you are in right standing and there is no record of sin, hence no guilt, no shame. Yes, this and that happened in the past, but hey, hey, it's gone, it's washed. That's not my identity. Many people allow their circumstances and their environment and their experiences and their struggles to be their identity. And as a, re as a result, they live a life of a yoke. They're, they're like wrong and wrong and wrong in the circle. You come back five years, ten years, not much has changed. And I'm talking about believers. Why? Because they, have the, because they have not forgotten those things which are behind. They haven't loosened themselves from that human identity and take on the free gift of righteousness and the, the gift of the identity of the Lord Jesus Christ as their very own. So even when they go to function in the name of Jesus, they're not able to do so effectively. Because to function in the name of Jesus and to, say, and to pray in the name of Jesus is I'm coming before the Father as if I were him. I'm not him, but I'm coming in his name. Amen? When I talk to a devil or a demon and I command it, go in Jesus' name, come out of him. Come out of my pain, leave. I am not speaking as me. What devil is going to listen to you? You can't, you can't make no devil listen to you. You can't let pain, you can't get pain to obey you, but it will obey Jesus. And when you have the name of Jesus, you are speaking in his name and in his person. That is why it says in John chapter 20, verse 31, that in the name of Jesus, you have life. Hallelujah. And all of that comes 
just by owning, accepting, acknowledging I have the nature of God. Christ is now my life. He is my righteousness. I am justified. I am as if sin has never been. I have the authority of his name. I have, I have the rights, the privilege that come with that name. Acknowledge every good thing that is in you in Christ. It will develop your conscious awareness of the oneness that you have with God in Christ, and then your faith begins to become effective. It begins to work. Hallelujah. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah. Skip. <laughs> Amen. You know, the scripture says in, okay, I have to throw this out there though. Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse 25. Mm. I feel as if I'm beating up on Christians today. I shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> You know, I mean? <laughs> you know, because here again, I see this scripture, and I think about believers sometimes, you know, you get into these arguments. And you see there's an area where they might be blinded and they aren't able to capture the truth. And, and, and what do you do? Arguing, arguing is, not, is, is pointless. Right? You don't argue. Forget it. Right? The Bible says avoid strife. But it goes on to say, it says as a servant of the Lord, in fact, it says, uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 23, avoid foolish and ignorant disputes and arguments, knowing that all they do is just going to gender strife. You right, I'm wrong, you know, and, and we just keep, uh, and, and it, just, it just goes off in directions, and it, it's not productive. But as a servant of the Lord, you must not quarrel, but be gentle to all and be able to teach and be patient in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. If God peradventure will grant them repentance or a change of thinking so that they may know the truth, so that they may know the truth, and that they may come to their senses, which is the knowledge of the truth, and escape the snare or the trap of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. In other words, this scripture is saying that when you get a hold of the truth, it will deliver you from the trap and the snare of the enemy, who was taking you captive because of ignorance. This, is, this scripture is supported by Isaiah 5 and verse 13 that says, my, my people, who? My people are led into captivity because they have no knowledge. Amen? Acknowledge, having to do with knowledge. Knowledge of what? Knowledge of the truth. Amen? So, this, this, so why is there power in acknowledgement? Well, for one thing, it delivers you from the snare and the traps of the enemy. And quite frankly, when you put it together with the rest of the arm of God, the, 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 the word, the, the shield of faith and, and, and so on, it will, it will cause you to keep yourself from the wicked one where he cannot touch you. First John 5 and 18. Amen? And so that you don't give him any place. All right. Now again, this stuff is important. Why? When you see, when you begin to speak and acknowledge every good thing that is in you in Christ, it may not be that way in the natural. In the natural, it might be totally opposite. I mean, you are acknowledging that Jesus bore your sicknesses, carried your infirmities, and by his stripes you were healed. But in the natural, you're dealing with all kinds of pain. You're dealing with an evil doctor's report, and that is your reality in the natural realm. But in the spirit realm, which is the ultimate reality, it, this is what is established. Now, you say, well, why should I be saying 
what, 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 what God says? Why should I be speaking according to what is, or what is the truth in my spirit, according to what it is in heaven? Is that not a lie? Well, I don't think you can lie saying what God said. In a, in a sense, it's an earthly lie, but it's a heavenly truth. But it's a heavenly truth that can change what it is in the natural. And that is why it makes your faith work. Why is that? Now, the scripture says in Isaiah 51, verse 16, that when you do that, when you call those things that be not here as they are here, when you call and you speak of how, what is settled in heaven, the truth of who Jesus is, the word of God, etc., when you do that, what you are actually doing is you're actually planting the heaven here on earth. Don't we pray in the Lord's Prayer, the will of God be done on earth as it is in heaven? Well, how is that going to happen? you got to take what's in heaven and plant it as a seed in the earth. When you first plant it, it's just a seed. But then what happens with that seed when it's planted in your heart? It grows up and it becomes a tree, a tree of righteousness. And when it becomes a tree, now you're going to have fruit. And when you have fruit, number one, you can eat it, you can taste it, but others that may not have believed will see the fruit. They too can taste and benefit from it and, and, and so on. So the reason why, again, this, this stuff works is because, and it produces faith that works, is because you are literally following a scriptural principle and you're planting the heavens into the earth. That's how God created the heavens and the earth. He said, let there be light. He said, he said, he spoke. This was his MO, and this is what you're doing. You are speaking and you are declaring. Amen? Hallelujah. And, then, and I think this is so great. You are agreeing with God. You know? What are the, many times people want to bring you in agreement, but they don't want you to agree with their misery. They want you to agree with their carnal thinking. Well, why not disagree with God? If you, the two of you, shall agree is touching anything, it shall be done where? On earth. So find out what God says, take his side, agree with him, agree with the word, agree with what the blood of Jesus says, agree with what ascension says, and that is what we're talking about. Acknowledging every good thing that is in you in Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, because of time, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just head, see if I can bring this plane on the landing strip right right over there, next to the lake. <laughs> Amen? Right, when you land the plane, you don't want to land in the lake. <laughs> All right, so you got to aim. So we're going to land this. We're going to land this thing. Amen? First of all, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me give you some homework. The homework I'm going to give you is this. Take the Bible, take the Word of God, and you see, this book here, is an inventory of all that belongs to you. You're going to find in here the very things that you're going to be able to itemize the things that you already have in your spirit. I'm saying go find them out. Write them down. Come up with at least 25. You could, there's much more than that. And then write them down and rehearse them and speak them and acknowledge them and pray them and spend, 30, and spend 30 days, 10 minutes a day going through your list. And then see where you're at at the end of it. Then check yourself out and see, see what's going to happen in your life. All right, that's your homework. But I'm going to help you a little bit. This has be closed by doing some of your homework for you. Just, just some of it, not all of it. Hallelujah. You want to stay in this until it becomes muscle memory. Now, there are some main truths that I think you can, you, you can use as a shortcut. <laughs> Right? 
Ephesians 1 verse 3 that says you're blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Colossians 2 verse 10 that says you are complete in him. That's nice and general. Luke 17 21 that says the kingdom of God is in you. And we know from Romans 14 verse 17 that the kingdom of God is righteousness. It is peace and it is joy in the Holy Ghost. You acknowledge these things. Colossians 1, 27, which I believe is major. Christ is in you, the hope of glory. That is the centrality of the gospel. You know, it's bothersome when someone comes along and say, I'm an apostle, or I'm a this, and I'm a that. And they give themselves these titles, and then you listen to what they're communicating, and they don't have the centrality that it is about Christ. It is about his life in you. And that is missing. When that is missing, you have to wonder because you go and you read Ephesians chapter 3 and you will see that when you have certain callings in your life, that becomes the very central theme, period. Anyway, that was free. The centrality of Christ. All right, so there are some main truths that you can grab quickly. And then there are some others, such as Galatians 2, 20 and 21. I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. That's a fact. And it's no longer I, but it's Christ that liveth in me. The life I live is the life of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Ephesians 2, verse 6, I was raised up together with Christ, and I was made to sit together with him in heavenly places in Christ, which means at the Father's right hand, which is where far above principalities and powers and so on. Now, quite often when Christians have, have a mindset of fear of their enemy, and, 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 and I mean, and you know, the devil did this, the devil did that, and, and they have the, the, the devil has this intimidating, tormenting thing on their hearts and on their lives. It is because they do not have the revelation that they are risen with Christ. And they are not functioning from who they are, which is the ascended life of Christ, and they are not functioning from their position which is where they are in Christ. It takes functioning from your position in order to change the condition and the situation. So they're busy trying, they're, they're down here, and they're dealing with what it looks like, what it feels like, and they're, and they're literally wearing themselves out. When, what they ought to do, and they might be quoting and calling the name of Jesus. But the name of Jesus functions from where? It functions from the presence of God. It functions from where you are in Christ. It functions from the place of ascension. And without that revelation, all you're doing is you're just, <laughs> you're just naming names. <laughs> no, literally, and as, you know, you're name dropping. But there is no power. You know, Paul said in, in, in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 2, he says, look, when I came, I determined to know nothing among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. He says, I wasn't concerned about your background, your history, your this and your that, and how many scriptures you know or don't know. He said, all I was concerned about and all I wanted to know is Christ and him crucified. I want to know, do you have that identification of being crucified with him? Do you have that identification that it is the life of Christ that is living through you? And then he goes on to say, all I want to know is all I determined to know is Christ and him crucified. And then he goes on to say, and he puts a little verse in between. I didn't come with the enticing words of man wisdom, but I came in demonstration of the Holy Ghost and power. What was he saying? He says, look, when I came, 
I came, and this is where I function from. Not me, but Christ crucified, and me and his life in me. And I did it as a demonstration to you guys so that your faith would not be in the wisdom of men, so that your faith would not be in the intellect, your faith would not be in, on, on all of these religious activities, but that your faith might be in the power of God. What was he saying? He was saying that when you function in this place, that it's no longer you, but it's Christ living in you, that's when you step in to the power of God that produces. And without that, it is just all wet, it is just all words, it is just all talk, and there is no power. The kingdom of God is in power and in demonstration of the Holy Ghost. And this power proceeds from where? It proceeds from the cross. It proceeds from the presence of God. It proceeds from this place of ascension. That is why it says the preaching of the cross to us who are saved, it is what? It is the power of God. What is the power of God? The preaching and the declaration of the sacrifice of Christ. That is the power of God. The gospel is the power of God. Hallelujah. Anyway, so... You need to, but you got to make this idea. You got to recognize I'm ascended. This is where I'm seated. You see, when you recognize that this is what my life is, this is where I'm seated, and then things happen. You don't know what's going to happen. You run into a situation and there's some demonic manifestation. What are you going to do? If you don't have the revelation, you're going to run scared like everybody else and freak out. But if you have the revelation, you're going to step into a place of authority and you're going to deal with it. Amen? You know, you can't wait until things happen. Then you grow in these things. No, you got to develop. You got to exercise. You know, it's like the guy, the guy who sits there. I mean, he sits there. He wouldn't, wouldn't go to the gym. He sits there and he watches his TV. And he has beer over here, this one over here. And he has his beer belly. And he's sitting there and he's watching gun smoke. Ah, la, 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 la. And he's going through this there. Next thing you know, somebody comes into his house, kicks the door down, grabs his wife, grabs all his stuff. And, and, and what can he do? He's now going to go start lifting barbells? It's a little late for that. He should have done that before. So that when that person come in his house, so, to, then he could just, hey, hey, what are you doing? And then he could rise up in the power of the Spirit of God, in the authority of the name of Jesus, in the authority of what Jesus has finished, and say, devil, that's it, you're done, out of here. I bind you in Jesus' name. But what I'm saying, you don't come to this place just by reading. You don't come to this place just because you have some understanding. You come to this place by revelation. And revelation comes by meditation. And meditation produces revelation. Revelation produces, produces um, motivation. And when you got the motivation, then you'll be able to take the action. And not until you take action will you get fruit and harvest. Hello? Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So acknowledge these things. Acknowledge all the promises of God in Christ are yes and amen. All of the fruits of the Spirit belong to you. Love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness. Now I know it might not be where you're behaving, but hey, this is where you start. The scripture says in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 9 that, that the reason why you lack many things is because you're busy, is because you have not acknowledged that you were cleansed from your sins. You have not acknowledged who you are. And Peter says if you would acknowledge who you are, then what happened is you're going to end up being fruitful in these other areas. 
He even goes on to say in 2 Timothy Peter chapter 1, verse 10, 11, that if you be diligent in what I'm telling you to do, if you be diligent in this, he says it will make your calling and your election sure. And it will open a great, big, huge door through which you can access the very everlasting kingdom of God. That's God's reign. He says that door is going to be open to you. Not because you're a believer. Not because you're born again and speaking in other tongues. But because you've been diligent in what? Operating from this place of acknowledging that you've been cleansed from your sins. You're the righteousness of God. The life of Christ is in you. This is who it is. This is how it is. And he says, when you do that and you be diligent, oh, man, that doorway is going to be open. Hallelujah. Anyway, and there's so much more, but make your list. Check it twice. <laughs> what does this say? All right, I need to stop, so I'm going to stop right here. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. God has given us great and precious promises for a reason. So that by these, you might partake of the divine nature. You might take the part of the divine nature that is appropriate, the part of the divine nature that you need, the part of the divine nature that you need to develop it. The, 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 these great and precious promises identify various specifics within that divine nature that is already yours, that is already in your spirit. And as you partake of that, those, the, that divine nature, you can escape the corruption that is in the world, which means you can escape the corruptions and the limitations of those that are in the world. Amen? Hallelujah. We are in the world but we're not of the world. We are in the world, but we are not to be defined by the world. You are in the world, but you are not to be boxed in with the limitations of the world. You can do all things through Christ that strengthens you, that empowers you, that enables you, but you got to be yoked together with him. You're going to have to acknowledge every good thing that is in you in Christ. You're going to have to attend unto his word, incline your ear unto his saying, because, and get it into the midst of your heart. Once it gets into the midst of your heart, it's going to become life and healing and health and prosperity and victory in every area of your life.